Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. I am here with my co-host, who is never out of a podcast, even if he does not have a shot on target, 89 minutes into the into the show. Brett, what a freaking game of football we saw in the Champions League midweek. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it was so much the, the match itself, although I still am trying to figure out like how Rodrigo headed that ball in despite it hitting off the top of Asensio's head. I, I like, I, I can't do that. Like, did he, did he time his jump knowing that was going to happen? Did he hang in the air? And I like, I, it was, that was a wild goal. It was a wild finish. It was, it was a weird, it was weird because most of that match was like, not really that great. Like the first half was actually really dull. Um, and then everything just seemed to happen like in five plays, like yeah. Andy cleared the photo or the, the Grilla shot off the line. And then there's a two goals by Rodrigo and there's a Benzema penalty after the, the Mares goal. And like, that was literally like almost all that happened in the match and city didn't even come roaring back at the end. It was, it was bizarre and it was a hugely, but it was like a hugely important thing for world soccer in a lot of different ways. I think. Yeah, no, it was also showed the danger of playing, you know, the most important matches of the year in the middle of the workday here in the U S because I have jobs to do and I had it on in the background and an involuntary scream left my mouth while I was on a conference call after the second goal. And then I had to explain to people why. And uh, they were quite confused. (laughs) All right, man. Uh, Just let your passions run. Business is whatever. We can all be broke. We'll just record Mike, Mikey, Mikey meatballs here. He said he's going to work for free. So he's good. Uh, All right. So we are now into May. Speaking of business, we are in the absolute business end of the Premier League season. So let's get right to it instead of playing any uh, theoretical thought exercise games this week. Although that last the draft last week was pretty fun. You have to. It was good. Yeah. And then Foden was fucking phenomenal like the following day. So, well, two days from then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, He's great every time he's on the field, it seems. Um, But we'll get to him at the end of the show. We are going to start with the big match of the weekend. Liverpool versus Tottenham, Saturday at 2.45 p.m. A kind of rare Saturday night game for the Premier League. You don't see a whole lot of these during the year. Pool is minus 220. Spurs is plus 600. The draw is plus 390. Pool minus a goal and a half is plus 130. Spurs is minus 145. Uh, so I am going to be a broken record. You're probably going to say something more interesting. As long as they are at the top of the title chase, which they still are, they're one point back from uh, Pool, sitting on 82 points. I'm sorry, uh, one point back from City, 82 points versus City's 83. Um, I'm just going to keep taking them. I'm going to keep taking them. They're the most informed team in the world right now. And they no longer have to worry about kind of midweek games. They have the FA cup coming up in uh, a week from Saturday. Then they have the champions league final, but they no longer have to qualify for the champions league final. So they're finally able to get back to just focusing on winning the premier league. And this team, if it is focused is unbeatable by anybody, but a handful of teams in the world. And not, I mean, like, yes, they might slip up and draw at some point. And yes, it's absolutely possible but I'm taking the minus 220. I'm going to look at the pair with something else to make it slightly tastier. And as good as Spurs are and as good as they can be and as much motivation they have, they're just not in pool's class right now. So I would not take the plus 600, even though the odds look pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think the first half against Villarreal was a little, um, 
concerning for Liverpool. Uh, I mean, they really were outclassed by the seventh place team in Spain in a match that they should have, you know, walked all over them. Um, but at the same token, you know, they played a lot better in the second half. And then also that was time with Luis, uh, Luis Diaz coming on and Diaz, his signing for Liverpool, I think we're going to retroactively look back at this. And, you know, I, when I saw it in January, I was like, oh, you know, this is like a future move. Like they're going to add a little depth this year, but he's probably, you know, going to allow them to not have to, you know, over overpay Sadio Mane to stay, or maybe this is going to be leverage in like the most solid contract negotiations or whatever. Um, and he has come in and has taken them to a completely different level. And part of it is because like Jota who lit the premier league on fire early on. I mean, his, his goal scoring was unbelievable. You know, we, he was emerging as probably maybe one of the, the class finishers in the premier league. And he is now arguably like Liverpool's fifth, most important attacker right now. Cause Mane has seemed to fi- find new life uh, playing through the middle of their four, three, three with Diaz on the left and Salah on the right. Um, because Diaz does like wingery stuff when Jota and Mane play, it's kind of like playing with two straight strikers at this point, like both those guys, like their, their biggest, you know, uh, contribution to a team is just getting on the end of balls in the box at this point. Diaz is like, does a lot of shit that helps set up shots. Like he dribbles into dangerous areas. He puts the ball into the box, you know? So now you have another world-class creator it looks like going up against Mo Salah who's who's transitioned a little more when this happens with age two from goal scorer to creator plus Trent Alexander-Arnold who went very high in our draft last week so like this team has just skyrocketed to another level and they still have a ton of depth they can rotate their entire midfield like Curtis Jones would start for like 15 other Premier League teams so I, I, as concerned I am that maybe they're getting worn down and that they had to really put their foot on the gas to get by Villarreal, I just can't pick against this team. I'm not super comfortable with the spread. Like I would take the money line of minus 210, even though it isn't great value. But like this team is just at another level. I, I think they are officially the best team in the world and Spurs are way too inconsistent for me to trust them to do anything. <laughs> Yeah, well, it really shows the where Salah peaked as a goal scorer when you say he's transitioned more into a, a playmaker in a year, he's still going to win the golden boot. Yeah. So it just really kind of speaks to just what heights that guy has been at over the last three or four years. Um, I said I was going to try to find some way to make this tastier. And so the way I'm going to do that is on my prop, which is over two and a half goals, minus 180. Uh, I I mean, Spurs, I I think it's a pretty good chance they get on the score sheet. Yeah. And so yeah. if they get on, the, if they get on the score sheet, then your bets are correlated anyway. Right. Because now pool's got to score at least two to win. You automatically hit the over. So I actually aren't afraid to hit the same game parlay. Cause if you like them, if you like Tottenham to score, you might as well parlay them together and increase your odds. So instead of getting pool at minus two twenty, you get the two of them together, pool minus two twenty, and the over of two and a half goals. You can get that down to minus minus one ten, which is going to be something you hear about later in the five pint. Well, this is gonna be a little boring because I actually was, I'm gonna I'm gonna juice it up a little bit though. You went two and a half. I'm actually gonna juice it up to three and a half to get that the little bit better pricing for it at plus one thirty. Um, I just think there's gonna be some squad rotation out of Liverpool. Like I, I just don't think they're gonna risk Thiago. He's played a ton. He already has injury concerns. Um, you know, Hendo was was held out of the Villarreal game. 
And when, you know, Kata comes in, he's, he's better in the final third. Like he played the pass into money in the champions league semifinal, but like, they're not as good defensively. And we've talked about this before who Liverpool plays in the midfield changes the type of team that they become. So if you do see a Curtis Jones, Bobby Kitty in midfield or like Hendo playing the six because uh, Fabinho gets rotated out. I really definitely would then push the over three and a half goals, definitely the over two and a half, but I would maybe even take the, the better price in the three and a half. Yeah. And I often try to um, sway towards unders just because, you know, the public pricing always pushes the over a little bit off the odds. But it can't be overstated, and we've seen it in Manchester City the last few weeks. Like this thing could come down to goal differential. It's something we've talked about a lot on this show. Yeah. So until Liverpool or Manchester City slips up, I am basically taking the over and them to win every single time they step on the pitch in the Premier League because that's what they're motivated by. And we saw Manchester City, you know, kind of almost go out of their way to run up a bunch of goals. And they've already got the goal differential down from six to one in just a couple of weeks. And so it's clearly on everybody's mind that that's what it could come down to. And so uh, when you have this talented players playing this well with the stakes this high, give me the over. So before we move to the next game, Brett, I want to give you uh, one other quick question. I know I said no thought exercises, but here, let's just do one really fast one. Um, over, under, number of trophies Liverpool ends the season with, two and a half. Which side are you taking? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good line. That's a good line. Can I get your guess before I give mine? <laughs> um, uh, I, the FA Cup worries, I don't. I think that's something that they could lose. Um, I don't know if it'll hold the importance it does. Uh, I, I'm going to just say the under. I think they can get Champions League, and they already have the Carabao Cup. I'm a little worried about the FA Cup for them. And, I mean, resting the title away from City is going to be it's, – it's a good line, but it's going to be tough. What, what would you take of your own well, line? First of, <laughs> first of all, isn't that an insane conversation that we're having yeah, yeah. Uh, in May that the quadruple is absolutely in play and they have a, a shot at four and – we're setting a two and a half line. So like the sad thing is, is like you start talking to Liverpool fans because everything is possible right now. And if I, if you say under on two and a half and I say under on two and a half, they call us haters. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> my God, like what kind of form are they in when we're hating saying you pulled a double yeah. uh, with, you know, the most prestigious trophies still to be won. I guess if it was a, you know, league cup double, that wouldn't be satisfying. <laughs> but they went either the Premier League or the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, tied with the Carabao Cup. I mean, 19 out of actually 18 out of 20 teams in the Premier League would kind of gnaw their hands. Actually, 17. Chelsea, Liverpool, and Manchester City would be expecting those results. Everybody else would sacrifice limbs or firstborn children to get it. Um, I'm going to take the over. Yeah. I'm going to take the well, over. I mean, which ones have you, have you have, we know obviously one is in the bag. Which other two are they getting then, in your opinion? Uh, I like them to win the Champions League. Basically, the only rational, uh, the only argument for Madrid is irrational, not rational. It's like it's written in the stars. They're on this faded journey through the pool. I mean, you know, we've seen that happen in the past, right? Like one of the most notable times with Chelsea in uh, 2012 when they kind of had comeback after comeback after comeback and then won on pens in, in the final against better opposition. So it's possible Madrid's going to win, but I like pulling uh, in the Champions League. We're, we'll talk, hopefully we'll have our podcast this, but the most solid revenge narrative is going to be great. I just hope, I hope underneath his 
jersey he is a fuck Sergio Ramos thing that he gets to pull up every time that he scores <laughs> yeah no it's good I mean I, I I'm sure we'll do a Champions League preview but it's also fascinating that Real's not going to play a competitive fixture until that game since they've already won the league yeah and Liverpool's gonna have to burn through it so they're either going to be like iron sharpens iron or you know they're gonna they're be burned out by gas. that game yeah. so yeah but, you know before I get my final prediction I certainly want to observe how that happens and like you know I actually want to see Madrid play a little bit because they can't sit Benzema for like a month and then expect him to just unwrap him in the Champions League and still be on no. current form the best player in the world. Um, and then just it's just a matter of odds after that. If I really feel that confident about the Champions League, they're a better team than Chelsea. They beat him in the Carabao Cup. They're over 50% there. They're probably, you know, 65-70% uh, likely to win that one. And it's yeah. called 30 to 40 to win the Premier League. And it's just mathematically, I'm gonna take the over. Uh, but um, I just like hats off to them. Like going from where they were in January to this conversation we're having right now, they have been absolutely on fire in this calendar year. Yeah. I mean, the signing of Diaz and the addition and obviously Thiago getting healthy and pretty much playing every match has just been, it's just taking them to another level. And it's the craziest thing about it is this is the richest league in the world with another super team and, and basically like five of the top 10 teams in terms of total revenue. And, and Liverpool could win three domestic trophies and the Champions League despite that. Like, that is yeah. bonkers. I, it's hard to even process. It is very hard to process. Um, speaking of hard to process, let's get to Chelsea. Uh, so <laughs> Chelsea is third in the league on 66 points. They're playing Wolves, who are eighth in the league at 49 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Chelsea is minus 280. The Wolves are plus 850. The draw is plus 400. Chelsea minus a goal and a half is plus 115. Wolves are minus 130. Uh, so I'm going to shock everybody who's, who's listened to us talk more than once in their lives. And I don't want to actually talk about Chelsea for a moment. And I want to stop and praise Everton. Um, oh. Watching that match last week was a very stark reminder of why I absolutely love football so much. And it, that's probably you know a little bit weird to hear when my team capitulated and lost to a relegation bound Everton team, but just think about the circumstances there. Like uh, take college football, right? Like if Vanderbilt's playing South Carolina and one team's three and eight and one team's five and six and there's no stakes whatsoever, yeah, people are gonna you know be happy to be there. But they're going to spend a lot of time tailgating. The game on the field is not going to be the main event. The social stuff around it is going to be the primary thing that people are there for. And contrast that with Everton, whose fans lifted that club up solely on their shoulders and put them into heights that they haven't achieved in months. The fireworks outside the Chelsea Hotel the night before, the passion in the stadium is so unique to European football, actually football worldwide, any place that has the relegation system, is what makes this so special. You had a team that has been absolutely down on the luck. They are super proud. They are a historic franchise. And then you have all of these people packing the park, packing the streets, and saying, no, not on our watch. We don't care how crappy you are, you 11 human beings that are running around the grass. You are not doing this to us. And lifting them up and getting a dire result against one of the uh, you know the best teams and most accomplished teams in the continent. So I was blown away, um, and just every hats off to them for what they did to support their club and keep them fighting going into these last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, that's, I mean it's weird to hear that from you since I'm supposed to be the Everton 
fan here, but <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it was it was the, the the emotion behind that match. I mean, for anybody who's seen it, if you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube, go watch Jordan Pickford's save where I think it was Mount takes a shot from outside the box. It like hits both posts, hits both posts, bounces out, and Pickford just comes flying out of nowhere. But just pay attention to the reaction of the Everton players and the crowd behind him. Not only was the save incredible, and I have given Pickford plenty of grief for his goalkeeping, but the save is incredible. But like, that's the crazy thing is like this match, if there was no relegation system, I mean, I don't even think Pickford makes the effort to try to get across to save that, but he, he not only puts everything he has into getting across, but it's like this iconic moment now. You know, yeah. and that doesn't happen in any other sport. Like this does not happen in the NBA or the NFL or any other sport where two teams that are terrible are playing each other near the end of the season. Or well, that dude, not terrible, but two teams that don't really have anything to play for because of where they are are in the standings. Well, look at look at the Oakland A's. The yeah. Oakland A's are drawing two thousand people to home games right now as people, you know, think they're gonna be a bottom team and they just don't have any yeah. passion for the club. There's other stuff going on with the A's, obviously, but it still point points out that having an 18th place team having the best environment and the most passionate fans is incredibly unique to this game that we love. And so like, it really energized me and reminded me of why I spend my Saturdays and Sundays and uh, apparently don't listen to this. Anybody who uh, employs me work days following this thing so closely (laughs) Um, back to, back to the issue at hand, Chelsea and wolves look, Chelsea, uh, who knows who's going to show up and they particularly struggle against teams that are going to play such a wildly defensive style, such as wolves. This is exactly the type of team that Lukaku was uh, assigned to break down and, and get some goals against. And he's gone a wall. And so if they're going to play the typical Wolves style, I don't see us like lighting them up. I don't see it. This being, you know, two, zero, three, zero, four, zero. I hope to be wrong. I just haven't seen any evidence that if they're going to sit back and play the way that the wolves play, that we're going to rain goals through them and, and get through uh, whatever block they set up without somebody like Lukaku who can manhandle them and operate in tight spaces, uh, which is all he ever finds since he stands next to defenders. Um, and the, the numbers kind of bear it out like wolves and their losses, and I'm talking just their losses. Forget their draws and their wins. 10 of their last 12 losses have been by one goal. That includes City. That includes Pool. The last time they played Chelsea, it was 0-0. And so if I'm getting almost even money and a, and a goal and a half, my so that's what I'm getting. The Wolves just have to stay within one, which they keep doing over and over and over again. And if Chelsea really switches off and thinks they're just going to coach the third and uh, shuts down and allows a draw or even a loss, Give it to me. So give me Wolves minus one thirty with a goal and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you do something. I'm gonna turn you into Chef Toby. I'm gonna give you a recipe here, Toby. Here is Ooh. how you take a really bad team and put them into eighth place in the Premier League. Okay, and that that team that we're talking about is Wolves. This is the Wolves recipe for being in eighth place right now. They with a game in hand. Yeah, with a game in hand, they have conceded. Uh, 50.1 expected goals against, right? But they've only allowed 32 actual goals. So there's clearly a lot of luck going on in, in Wolves' rise to eighth right now. But the way that that has happened is like really unique. It, it, first off, the, the obvious one is 
Jose Sa has had one of the most incredible shot stopping seasons that we've probably seen from a Premier League keeper. It's been sort of hidden in obscurity because Wolves are boring to watch. And, you know, they are only in eighth place and we don't really care until the European stats really start coming into focus. Um, but Sa has saved almost 11 goals from the shots that he's faced above the, the, the average keeper. That's nuts. Like he is, he himself has saved almost 11 goals worth of shots this season for Wolves. And on top of that, there's a stat called post-shot XG. And essentially what that is, is like a shot has a a value from a certain location. Like if somebody shoots it with their foot from the middle of the box, from six yards out, it's assigned a certain value. But post-shot actually measures where that ball goes on the goal frame, right? So if it's hit from that spot and it's hit right at the keeper, it's going to have a lower value than if it's hit from that spot and it's like tucked right into the upper corner, right? So Wolves have benefited from the fact that teams have just forgotten how to shoot against them as well. So to make up the rest of that expected goal difference versus actual goal difference, the opponents of Wolves have only, uh, their post-shot XG is only 41.8. So that means that they have basically sent nine goals just wide of the target from bad shooting. So it's been this like incredibly weird combination of outstanding goalkeeping, saving them a bunch of goals, and then just poor opponent shooting combining in the same year, which is how you get a team who's leading goal scorer. And I shit you not, their leading goal scorer has six goals and they're in eighth place right now. So this is a really bad team and they are going to come down to earth in a very big way. Like they will, if this team had basically ridden the averages, we would be talking about them in the relegation fight. So I am going to actually take your boys, Chelsea, unless I see Lukaku on the pitch, then I'm voting this bet um, <laughs> at minus one and a half. Uh, for Noble's the- law. <laughs> Noble's law applies to Lukaku, apparently. Yeah. Mark Noble's on the pitch. All yeah. bets are void. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. We'll put that as a disclaimer on our podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to take the minus one and a half. I, I just think Wolves are a really, really bad team that have been riding like the weirdest wave of positive variance that they could. And, you know, Chelsea have had some pretty good matches since they went to their preferred front three that we've talked about this, like ad nauseum on this podcast, when Werner and Havertz and Mount play in the front three, that is a really, really good attacking and defensive team. And so if those three are out there, Wolves luck is going to run out at some point. So I'm going to start betting against them basically. So I'm going to take them a minus four and a half. And I'm and I am going to also just take Chelsea win with the under of two and a half goals at plus two fifteen because I do not see Chelsea like running up the score line. And again, Wolves leading goal scorer Raul Menes six goals. That's the leading yeah. goal scorer this season. Well, I'm, I'm not going to throw too much shade at Wolves and their leading goal scorer and how they got all the way at the eighth because Chelsea qualified for the Champions League last season and their leading goal scorer in the league was their penalty taker. So it's certainly possible to achieve I mean, great heights. Gundogan led City in goals, and they walked the league. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, that, that uh, doesn't matter. And Chelsea's defense is, like, legitimately good. This Wolves thing, this is a mirage in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm joining you on the prop side. I'm not parlaying them, but I'm joining you. I have under two and a half goals, minus 110 written down. Uh, the Wolves have only scored two goals on the road four times all season. They've only hit three once, and that was Aston Villa back in October. So I'm expecting kind of zero to one is the range for the Wolves. And with Chelsea finishing and not a lot of motivation right now until they get to the FA Cup final, uh, zero to two is my range for Chelsea. 
against the Wolves, kind of ugly in defensive style. So I feel great that I'm getting basically even money to win on every expected score line except for Chelsea 2-1. That feels like great value to me. Uh, if you are feeling adventurous and you want something a little bit higher, because I I can't the, the Lukaku anytime goal scorer bets are insane right now. Like they still think he's inter Lukaku. Like he's he's plus one fifty as an anytime goal scorer, and it's really That's fucking wild. hard to score with a warm up jacket on sitting in the crowd. Like I don't know why those odds are that low. Uh, but two guys I do like as anytime goal scorers in this game, just because I think they can uh, score against the Wolves style is Ziek is uh, plus two thirty. And Alonzo is plus 500. So Ziek whipping a ball in from outside the box, kind of curving it around a bunch of defenders into the corner or Alonzo pouncing on a scramble in the goal mouth. Great technical finisher hits a one-time volley into the ground. Plus 500 seems like a good odd for that as well. So those are two I like that are a little uh, sexier than the ones I gave out. Uh, All right. So let us get over to Brighton. Uh, versus Manchester United. Brighton is ninth on the table at 44 points versus Manchester United, sixth on the table at 58 points. This game is Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Brighton is plus 185. The draw is plus 240. Manchester United is plus 155. So pluses across the board. Pick your result and you're getting a great number. Uh, Manchester United minus half a goals, of course, stays at plus 155. Brighton moves to minus 175. Um, good for Manchester United costing me, uh, my five pint bet last week and costing me the month. Finally, somebody, we'll get to that a little bit later. Finally, somebody besides Ronaldo actually scored for the team. Beautiful that they picked this game of all games to actually show up and and get some goals. We all knew that it would come down to a a Varane volley in the 72nd minute of the last game of the month. We all, we all knew that was coming. You have to anticipate these things. Let's go, Toby. And look, I, I just spoke about Everton and, and their crowd lifted them up. The Manchester United crowd was pretty good for a team that they despise. And it was the last home game of the year. Uh, they gave Juan Mata, a guy I love, a very warm send off and had generally good vibes around the, the club for the first time since I, I don't know, Ronaldo's signing day. Um, but now they're back on the road and Brighton have beat Wolves. They beat Spurs. They beat Arsenal all in the last month. And Manchester United has only outright won two of its last 10 road games. So I am going a little bit off of the board just slightly. I'm taking my executive privilege here. Um, you I have don't that? want. I do. I do. Okay. I, I sign your checks. Oh, that's true. The guy who signs the check okay. gets an executive privilege. I, well, I'm, just, yeah, I'm just clarifying here. With, you're also the HR department, so I'm actually clarifying your executive privilege uh, the HR department. Don't worry. Well. In my executive role, I have fired the HR department. Um <laughs> If, if you've seen us keep pulling out of the cap of consequences, you know there's no HR department <laughs> at this company. Uh, so Manchester United versus Brighton. If you take draw, no bet, the odds move to Manchester United minus 125 and Brighton is plus 100. So if I can take draw out of the equation and get a push on a draw, give me Brighton plus 100. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, I'm actually going just with the straight draw. I, I would also say we've talked about disclaimers already on the show. Uh, avoiding bets when Mark Noble and Lukaku and this version of Lukaku on the pitch. Um, I would say disclaimer, do not watch this match. Just don't do it. Find something better to do. If there's a guy on your street with a leaf blower, just go watch that for 90 minutes. Okay. 
because it'll be better than this. Brighton have kind of been decent, just mudding up games, ugling up games. They're a pretty good defensive team. United pretty much have nothing to play for unless you consider like assuring their place in Europa Conference League is like a thing to play for. Um, and, you know, I, I just think this is setting up to be one of those end of season, why are we here type of games. So the draw at plus 225, I think big ranges of the scoreline are nil-nil, 1-1. Um, Brighton are not going to score a lot of goals, but they're really good defensively, which is not a great matchup for United, who is not very good in attack, as we've talked about again quite often, um, and who are pretty decent defensively. So it's going to be an ugly match. It's going to be a close match. Um, and with you know one team having literally nothing to play for and the other one pretty much locked into a Europa place um, next season. So I'm going to take that, and then I'm also going to take, because Brighton is at home, I am going to take Brighton, who is a good defensive team, at plus 255 for just a clean sheet, not the win. They Mm -hmm. just have to allow no goals for plus 255. And I do think that if there's any rotation among United, their attackers are going to get worse, and they are not a good attacking team to begin with. That that is a pretty good option, especially with Brighton playing um, at the Amex. Yeah, I think the only thing that scares me about your prop bet and uh, and my straight bet on on Brighton side is like the David Robinson factor. Ronaldo is only four goals back from the Golden Boot, Ooh. and if he just demands service after service after service, and he tries to just score, I mean, he to, also to might just start shooting from forty yards, which yeah, would, that would be good too for that would be good for our bets. Well, I mean, yes and no. Like the alternative to a Ronaldo 40-yard shot is continuing to rely on the midfield destroyer like Maddich to be their creative force, which is <laughs> freaking wild. Like I that guy's a former Chelsea guy and he was awesome um playing in the double pivot and just being I mean, a he'll be great for whatever bottom half Syria uh, table or team he goes to next year. Well, in the bottom half Serie A table, will he also be their best like close range passer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because probably. that's what that's what he is for United right now. It's they have all of this creative attacking talent and they're relying on that guy to just have deft flicks onto a waiting boot for goals. I mean, they're a mess. <laughs> uh, and because they're a mess, I am taking both teams to score at no is a plus number with surprise. That's a good, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. uh, both teams to score. No is plus plus one fifteen. Uh, as I just spoke about outside of Ronaldo going for the golden boot. Um, I don't see a whole lot of reason to believe they're going to continue to generate any other offensive prowess in a game. They absolutely do not care about and have nothing to play for on the road and 10 of the last 13 Brighton games, this bet would have hit. So just the way Brighton's playing, just the way uh, United is lacks motivation, getting a plus number on one of them to take a, a blank. I feel really good about yeah, and, and again, just a reminder, you can find good value in this match, but you can still watch someone pay to fence and have more enjoyment. Just check in after the whistle's over. Yeah, well, this is why gambling exists. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Brighton versus Manchester United, as being an advertisement for this podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, you should go listen to Men in Blazers. Uh, all right, let's go take a quick break, and hopefully I don't lose too many of you to another show now that I said that. <laughs> All right, we are back, and we are heading down to Arsenal, who are sitting pretty in their race for the top four. Um, They're sitting currently at fourth at 63 points, ahead of Tottenham at 61 points, and they are playing Leeds, who are trying to fight off relegation. They are at 34 points at 17th, 
with Everton coming off of their um, spirited win last week at 32 points, but with a game in hand. So that relegation battle is going to come right down to it. I'm sure we'll be talking about that a fair amount on our next show. In general, oh, I didn't give the odds. Uh, this game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Arsenal is minus 220. The Leeds is plus 600. Draw is plus 390. Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 130. Leeds is minus 150. So Leeds is an absolute freaking disaster if they have to chase the game. So essentially, this comes down to can Arsenal score the first goal? And if Arsenal scores the first goal, it's a wrap. I don't believe Leeds has any fight back in them. Uh, if they if they capitulate and give one up early, this could be 3-4-0, even though I can't tell you who would possibly score three or four goals for Arsenal. I just yeah. think Leeds is more than no, possible no. giving them up. Uh, I know the power of fighting against relegation is strong. I know uh, Everton car- got carried by their crowd last week and got a lucky goal to get the win, but Leeds is on the road. They don't have the players. They don't have the system. They don't have the talent, and Arsenal have the motivation. So I can see this one absolutely getting out of hand, and instead of taking them just minus 220, give me them on the adjusted number, minus a goal and a half, up to plus 130. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a tough one. I mean, mostly because uh, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, I mean, you have a, 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 a pretty good American manager, uh, as we've seen with Leipzig, who just lost to Rangers, who are second in the Scottish League. Um, he got into a bad situation there, goes to Leeds, and Leeds just they just don't have good players. And, and two of their best players, Patrick Bamford and, and Calvin Phillips, have barely played this year, um, Bamford in particular. And, you know, he is their best attacker by far. Um, and then they also just lost their Ironman, who, who's kind of a play, you know, utility guy, starting right back, left back, midfield, and Stuart Dallas, who broke his leg against City last week. Um, and, and they just can't afford to lose players from their starting 11. They just, they just don't have the depth. Like Adam Forshaw is now going to probably be starting a double pivot because Stuart Dallas is unavailable. Um, and and for those of you who don't follow Leeds closely enough, that is a bad thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a downgrade, even for Leeds standards. That's a downgrade. Um, and so yeah, so as much as you know, I want to see Jesse Marsh like make this push and keep Leeds safe, um, especially with the weird shadiness that goes on with Burnley's finances. I would like to see them get relegated for that. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see Leeds stay up, but I just don't see it happening. Um, I I don't trust Arsenal though. Just I don't. They, I, they every time I want to trust them, they do something to fuck it up. Um, so I'm gonna probably just take them with the, just the the point five spread at minus two twelve. It's not great pricing. I do see them winning. I just don't see them necessarily running away with it. Um, and I I would combine that with my prop bet of a clean sheet win. Aaron Ramsdale. Friend of the pod, like don't let shots in. Lead attack is not good. Patrick Banford is not walking through that door. <laughs> um, so those are probably my two, but I'm I'm just not super confident in Arsenal. They just they do this to me, Toby. They do this to me. I want to believe yeah. in them, and then I think they're good, and then they do something, and then they're bad again. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a weird match. Uh, not a super confident bet, but I want to see what you have come up with now for your prop. Yeah, I mean, I this isn't my prop, but. I think they score in the first half and then it just opens up because leads can't chase. Uh, so my prop is just my old friend. I just hadn't bet it for a couple of weeks and oh, this corner. is a good game for it. It's coming back under 10 under under 10.5 <laughs> corners is minus minus one thirty, um, And that's helped a lot because Leeds doesn't get close enough to the ball to kick it out. 
It is a sad fact that their keeper leads the league in saves. That is not the stat you want to lead the league in. That just means he's getting pelted over and over again because they've given up a ton of goals and still lead in saves. Uh, They're not defending close enough to actually create corners. They've only gone over 10.5 corners in 32% of their games this year. So I feel I'm getting a tiny bit of value. Um, and I just feel nice and fuzzy whenever I make this bet on an Arsenal game. So give me that this week. Um, no analysis. We'll do analysis on our next show. One word answer. Who's going down? Oh, Leeds. Ugh. Leeds. I hate saying okay. that. Ugh. All right. We'll Sorry, get into Je- it more next. Sorry, Jesse. We'll get into it more next time. It leads my answer as well. So death knell for Everton. Uh, all right, last game to talk about. Manchester City versus Newcastle. Ma- Newcastle. Manchester City is, of course, first at the table at 83 points. Newcastle is 10th at 43 points. This game is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. So once again, Manchester City will uh, have full knowledge of the Liverpool result going into this match. Manchester City is minus 525. Newcastle is plus 1,300. The draw is plus 700. Manchester City minus a goal and a half is minus 180. Newcastle is plus 155. I've already tipped my hand. Um, I am continuing to bet both Liverpool and City and the overs in those games until they prove me wrong. So I'm going to cut this really short. Um, Give me Manchester City minus the goal and a half at minus 180 because they have to chase the goal differential and give me the over three and a half goals at plus 115. And I'm doing all that despite my impassioned pleas about Newcastle last week um, who, you know, who won my bet that I placed on last week. They are still playing at a super high pace. They are playing as a top four, top five, top six team. But just Manchester City has the world to play for and a lot of anger in their hearts after Wednesday. I can see this one getting out of hand and then taking it out on them because they literally have nothing else to play for anymore besides these last four games in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the thing I worry about is that we saw, you know, an incredibly intense match for them. And I have the minutes up right now. And Foden played 120 minutes after playing a midweek match and starting the weekend before. Bernardo Silva played 120 minutes. Cancelo, our boy, friend of the pod, played 120 minutes. Yeah, uh, at least they gave De Bruyne a rest, though. That was smart. Well, yeah, because De Bruyne <laughs> looked like he was going to die at about the 50th <laughs> minute. Um, he is clearly completely run down. Um, my hot take for personnel, at least for city is that okay. Gundogan is washed despite being a leading goal scorer just last year. And oh, he hasn't looked good out there other than, I mean, I know he's technically set up the goal with Ramirez, but you know, Mar- welcome Gundogan. The last legend we called washed was son. And now he's uh, yeah. competing for the golden boot. <laughs> uh, that's my, that's my whole thing. Like, say somebody's yeah. washed and yeah, <laughs> they're, they're just going to become the premier league player of the year. Um, but, you know, Rodri played 98 minutes. He doesn't get a lot of rest because Fernandinho's legs are completely gone and really isn't even a part-time starter at this point. He's more like a 20-minute a, a game guy. So City's squad depth is short. And, and one of the other keys are where they're going to miss going into a match like this, which is going to be less of a hit against Newcastle than it, than it was against Real Madrid, is Kyle Walker came off injured again. And we have talked a, a lot this year about the importance of Kyle Walker in that right-back position for what he does for City to shut games down. And it was never more clear than it was against Madrid because in the first leg, Walker and Cancelo were both out and that was a wide open, crazy match. And then 
Walker and, and uh, Kinsella were starting the match. And for the whatever, I think it was 70 plus minutes that Walker was on, Madrid created nothing. And then he came off. <laughs> and in the 18 some minutes he was off the pitch, we saw two goals. And then obviously Benzema's penalty extra time. So uh, I, again, it's short, small sample size, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, <laughs> it's going to not always officially correlate the correlates. That's just a narrative driven thing. But Walker is very important is the point. And he is going to be gone. Cancelo is played a ton of minutes in the outfield this year. I don't think they're going to slip up. But part of the reason why this line and this idea that City might just steamroll Newcastle doesn't sit well with me, especially this week, is there is not going to be a lot of rotation that's going to make me feel confident. Like we're going to see, I mean, even Nathan Ake, who isn't a very good player, at least that level of club, is out. Like I don't even think he's an option to rotate in at one of the fullback spots that Pep has been doing. Um, so I hate doing this, but I don't think Newcastle have a ton of win equity if they have any win equity. But they're minus 155 at plus two and a half. So oh, might Jesus. have nothing left <laughs> after that match. I really, and Newcastle has been pretty decent. I don't think it's necessarily Eddie Howe related. As much as it is, they went out and when Eddie Howe came on board, they signed a bunch of decent Premier League level defenders like Mac Target and Dan Byrne, et cetera. But they've been a little bit stingier on that side of the ball. And I just don't see City smashing them 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. I just think this is going to be a game where they win 1-0, 2-0. They try to just control the game with like they do with their possession. Newcastle is fine with that. Um, so I, again, do not like doing this when a team doesn't have win equity. But to me, that was the best looking line was Newcastle plus two and a half. They'd have to give up three goals. You're paying for it a little bit, but it was good. And then the city to score in both halves. I'm saying no, plus 115. I, I again, if this is going to be a grinded out game, it's probably going to be one goal or two goals in the second half after they break or one girl early, and then City probably just sits on the ball for the second half. So yeah. I like that you're getting plus money for that. Um, man, this is a lot of faith in Eddie Howe and Newcastle. But I well, something they, about they City, hung with Liverpool. Not right. They hung with Liverpool. They hung with Liverpool last week, so it's not like yeah. you know um, they're wildly out of form or anything like that. And you know we keep talking about how well they played since the transfer window and. Um, you know, I, I have enough faith in them that I actually wrote down the what bet you took, and I was gonna look at Manchester City minus the two and a half, and that's plus one thirty-five. Uh, if you want to take the other side of Brett's bet, but I I don't think they're gonna blow them out that bad. The dynamics are gonna be extraordinarily interesting because of the sequencing. Yeah. Uh when it comes down to the goal differential. Like if Liverpool grinds out, you know, a one-zero win, they'll feel no pressure really to really go after it. They can match them and still be in the driver's seat. But if Liverpool actually, you know, wins by two or three goals, they might have to chase that GD a little bit and play a little bit more open match, even if they're exhausted. So I think uh I wouldn't put in my bet or your bet until after Liverpool play on Saturday morning. No, that's not a bad way to look at it. Uh, one last question before we do the five pint. In January of this year, we were talking about Manchester City as being this all-dominating, world-conquering squad. And now in May, uh, there's a distinct possibility they win zero trophies. So 
it's a reminder to me of why, again, like full of reminders of why I love this sport so much. Like we do this show weekly and it changes every single week. And like things change in such short periods that you can go from, hey, these guys are almost a lock to win the treble to, oh my God, they might go home without a trophy this year. So uh, it really comes at you fast. Like if I had asked you in January, what's more likely three trophies for city or zero trophies, what would you have said? Oh, easily three. Like easily. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, I would have answered it that quickly. Three trophies. Absolutely. Wouldn't even need to think about it. Um, all right. Uh, we have, we have three more minutes. Let's hot take it at the very end of a pod. <laughs> all right. Let's do at it. Very end of a pod. Let's do it. My answer's no. My answer's no. Does Pep need to go? Oh no. That's a, it's a topic. It's a topic out in the world right now. Yeah, I can't deliver the one over that care reactionary thing. I mean, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about that match. And I, I do think there is a little bit of Roman Roman's burning with city right now. And you, you actually made a great point. You talk about how week to week things change. And, you know, over the course of January to now we have a totally different view of city. Cause like each week is a data point, right? So the thing that really has started to become clear to me as we went through this is yes, city does have a lot of good attacking depth, but they also have some pretty irreplaceable players that operate in positions where a, I don't know if they can bring somebody in just to replace them. Like Erling Haaland isn't going to necessarily fix the fact that Kyle Walker is 31 and getting injured more and more and a hugely unique player. Like I can't think of another player that you could plug into the role that city has Walker in where he essentially functions as like a hybrid midfielder center back fullback where he can still go forward and do stuff. He's got the speed to stop counters and he can win the ball back a little bit. And is and is not like a total dead spot in possession, like Aaron Juan Basaka say for Manchester United, but like he's going to be a problem to replace Fernandinho literally can maybe do some like decent shit for like 10 minutes a match right now. And, you know, he is no longer that rangy guy that held together, like the Serge Aguero uh, city teams that were just rampaging over the league. Um, and, and then De Bruyne, we saw it yesterday. Like how much does he have left? He has played a ton of minutes, not only in the premier league, also for his national team. And we have kind of held him up on a pedestal, but like, He's also flying very close to the sun with super incredible finishing this year. And if you, if you had him finish his XG totals this year, we'd probably be saying, oh yeah, Kevin DeBrunner, he's slowing down a little bit. You know, Gunawan's the same thing. Like there's a lot of people that are needing to replace. This is not a pep problem. You know, managers definitely can, can move the needle in some way or another. And pep is one that moves it forward. But like, this is a, I don't think the city team, the, the infrastructure is crumbling. There's a lot of talented guys. Phil Foden is still going to be incredible. They're still have, they're still owned by a sovereign wealth fund. They can go out and buy whoever they want to buy, but there is some key things happening in the infrastructure of how this team functions that goes beyond Pep's management style. And really what Pep mm-hmm. did was fine. Like he didn't do anything. He played the starting 11. He should have played. He subbed out like, you know, tired players for fresh ones and put on an extra defensive midfielder. And Madrid just did something crazy. Like, you know, and if that doesn't happen, we're, we're, no one's having the conversation about Pep. 
Yeah, I guess I shouldn't have told you to hot take it because you took the guy who's arguably the Premier League player of the year into Brunia and just said he should retire. So good job <laughs> by you following instructions. Uh, all right, so let us wrap the show up uh, with the five pint in our closest contest yet. Congratulations Woo! to Brett Corominas, who eked out, an, eked out an April win by one unit um, because of the Vereen volley in the Manchester United game. Absolutely broke my heart on Monday. Um, I'm up four months to two, but it's no longer embarrassing for you. So congratulations. You closed the gap a little bit. Uh, we go into May where there's only going to be a handful of uh, match days for us to talk about. So every bet matters. Here is where I am placing my five units this week. I'm going with pool and the over of two and a half goals for minus 110. Arsenal minus a goal and a half at plus 130. City and Pool parlayed together to win, which I am doing every week as long as I can get it to a reasonable number. And this week it's minus 135. The Wolves uh, minus a goal and a half is minus 130. And that Brighton with the draw, no bet, plus 100. I'm betting against United yet again. Uh, what are you going with this week, Brett? All right. I'm going to trust your boys, Chelsea, to, to do some good Chelsea shit. This week, they're going to be good Chelsea. Even if Rom doesn't play, actually, if Rom plays, it probably helps my bet. But I'm going to go one pint Chelsea Wolves under two and a half goals plus 215. Um, I'm a little worried that Chelsea could just have one of their good attacking days. Um, otherwise, that would have probably got more than one pint. And then the Brighton United draw plus 225. Like I said, ugly close match. I think one out every two times those teams end up tied somewhere. Liverpool minus 210 money line over Spurs. Have confidence at the win. No idea by how much. Uh, for one pint there, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's going to hurt. Newcastle, plus oh, two and a half. Come on, Watford, at minus 155 for one one pint. And then I'm going to take the the no. This is probably my, one of my favorite bets this week. Um, City score in both halves, no, plus 115. I like you're getting a plus number for that at one pint. Um, yeah, those are my five. So we'll see. May is... May is going to be a big month. I need to get close. I got to go four and three in overall months. I need this for my, just for my oh, self-confidence. May is so wonderful for so many reasons, and that's not one of them. Uh, we are quick pro- programming note as we wrap up here. We will be back much sooner than usual. Uh, I've got to do some traveling next weekend, and so I'm not able to record the show. But good news is the midweek games next week are actually far better than the weekend games. So we will be back with a new show on Tuesday featuring a lot of talk about the highly anticipated North London derby between Spurs and Arsenal. One of them uh, is going to go to the Champions League, and one of them is going to go home. So we will see you much sooner than usual. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll be back with you Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.